we're going to be continuing in our series in the Old Testament. And you probably have noticed there's a lot of stories in the Old Testament. Why is that? Because humans are wired to take stories in and learn from them as our source of truth. We see, we hear things happening, we see things, and we extract from that the truth. God could have given us a systematic theology or point by point. And some of, some of the New Testament actually is a bit like that, like the book of Romans, but masses of it is story. And what I'd like to look at today is stories of God responding to prayer. Last week we looked at Psalm 44 where it didn't seem at that moment that God was hearing the prayer at all. So I want to go on the opposite side now and look at when God Stories are when God did answer prayers. I occasionally um, watch sermons online, and uh, I started watching one a while ago that almost made me sick. It was about how um, to claim your promise from God, and it reduced God to a vending machine. You know, you just had to do the right things and put the right prayer in, and God would give you the right things out. And he really uh, had no utility apart from fulfilling our requests. That was what God was for. And the, But when we read the stories in the Bible, it's all about a relationship. There's a relationship with God, and our responses from God come out of that relationship. And a relationship is when you're interested in the person for their own sake, not just what you can get out of them. So... Uh, here's my question then to ponder today. Why does God sometimes seem to respond to us and sometimes not? And uh, there's a danger that I we could approach this topic as what can I do to get God to be more responsive to me? Yeah, there's a danger that we could reduce this to something manipulative and that would be no good. Um, But if we say, I want to understand God better as a person so that I'm more in tune from what he wants from me so that we can draw closer, then that's much better. Now, I I saw a book recently, and it had this phrase in it, God doesn't respond to need, he responds to faith. And that was a very interesting statement. I thought about it a lot. And uh, it's a useful starting point, although I don't think it's ultimately true. I think it's um, it's not it's not the bottom line. Um, but it is an interesting starting point. Um, it's not an it's not a good ending point because there's some places where um, it doesn't work. But if we look at basically what it's saying is. Um, Things are bad, and I demand that you help me. That's often how we approach prayer, as opposed to things are bad, and I trust you that you love me and trust my problems to you. So as a starting point then, I think this is a good place. But um, there are some major problems with it, like what about Lazarus being raised from the dead? Uh, there was need there. There wasn't much faith from anybody. Um, and what about um, the widow of Nain, whose son was di- only son had died, and Jesus had compassion? Nobody prayed; he just had compassion. And so, uh, we're going to come back to this as a place to start. Then, and I'm going to give you seven suggestions of ways to answer this question. 
But I, first of all, I'm going to say my number one one is God does not respond according to our rules. So if you think you're going to get a set of seven rules today of how to guarantee God answers your prayer, you're wrong. That's not what we're going to get. But I'm going to give you seven stories, or at least six stories, because this is the first one, um, about when God did respond, and we'll see what we can learn from that. So um, let's let's, um, think then why he doesn't respond to rules. Well, there are places where people are actually, you know, running away from God, and he hears their prayer, or he answers them. And he, he, like, for example, Adam and Eve, or others, and they're, they're in a bad place, and God answers their prayers and hears them. And so it's not really a good formula. So what I'm going to start then with my first thing is that God loves faith. That's just my first um, point to, to um, begin with in responding prayer. Just God responding to our prayers. So... God God promised Abraham and Sarah to make a nation from their descendants that would bless the whole world. And the problem, as you know, was that Sarah couldn't have children. And um, then Abraham approached God and said, God, how do I know that that you're going to keep your promise? And we read, and I'm sure you know these verses, Genesis 15. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, and he said to him, so shall be, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. So God said, God spoke and Abraham believed. Now it's very important to understand what's happening here. And how faith is a response. And Abraham and Sarah had faith, but Abraham didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'm going to believe believe God for descendants like the stars in the sky. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith for my dream. And then and start off like that. No, the, the statement came from God. The idea came from God. And then Abraham trusted in it. God spoke and Abraham believed. And I think this is really important. I mean, I could wake up and say, um, I'm, you know, I'm going to believe God for an Aston Martin today. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm really going to believe that. Well, if God hasn't said, I'm going to give you an Aston Martin, then, you know, it's just my own fleshy desires. It would be nice, though, if anybody wants. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, so so God spoke and Abraham believed. Now, this is very important because today you hear a lot uh, of stuff telling you to have a dream and then believe God for that dream. And that is not the story of the, the people in the Bible. A lot of scriptures, uh, there are a lot of scriptures about faith, but there's an amazing passage in Hebrews 11 which sometimes we call the heroes of the faith. And it talks about some of these uh, people and gives us great insights into their character. So here we have Abraham and Sarah. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, descendants were born as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the immeasurable grains of sand by the seashore. So none of these people in Hebrews 11 believed in a vacuum. They didn't wake up and say, what shall I believe in God for today? He told them what to believe in. The problem was that what he told them was either impossible or it required a huge risk. So the faith was simply being obedient and trusting. But what about us? We're not usually given something specific and extraordinary like Abraham was. Um, but I believe there's a principle here, and I'm going to come, this is going to be one of my later points, we're going to revisit it. And the principle is that if you start obeying what God has given you, he will give you more. So where do we start? And here's a good example. This is uh, another one from Hebrews 11, talking about the story of Moses. It says, by faith, when he grew up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. He regarded abuse suffered for Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for his eyes were fixed on the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he persevered as though he could see the one who is invisible. So note, this is talking about the time when he had a revelation, sorry, the time before the burning bush, before he had this revelation, um, he's passionately concerned about the injustices done to his people in slavery. And there's not a specific revelation given to him that he should do this. There's just a general revelation of God's character that God hates abuse. And so he was acting out of this general revelation. And then God responded to Moses by giving him much more specific commands about how he could free his people later. So what I'm saying is that as we step out in faith as to what we know God wants, God very often gives us more. And Moses didn't say, oh, you know, God's not told me to do anything. I'm just going to be passive and enjoy what it, enjoy the pleasures of Egypt. He didn't say that. He, he, he had faith in what he had, which was very general. He got it wrong, of course. He, he was, he shouldn't have killed the Egyptian at that point, but, um, he, he was, doing it from a heart that wanted to serve God. So we can do this and step out in obedience and use what we have and receive more. And I will come to a bit more of that in just a minute. Um, so God doesn't respond according to our rules. He loves faith, uh, Sarah and Abraham. My third point is he wants us to understand his heart. And my story that exemplifies this is David. David, 
understood God and what God wanted in 1 Samuel 13, it says, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. David was somebody that had a relationship with God, concerned about this, um, about, about this relationship with God. And he knew two things, which we're going to see coming up in this story. Two things. One, that God is concerned about his name being dishonored. Why is it, is that because God is vain and doesn't like people saying things? Why should God be concerned about his name being dishonored? Well, his name is the only source of life and hope for the world. His name really is his values, his God's, God's, God's goals. They're the only source. So to dishonor God's name is to lose hope. David also knew from his knowledge of God that God likes to develop, to, to demonstrate his power in weakness. We'll see these two things in the story. But David replied to the Philistine, You are coming against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I am coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's armies, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Then all the land will realize that Israel has a God. So he, he realized that this, that God, God, this was God's heart. God wanted everyone to know that he was the God. And all the assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will deliver you into our hand. So his walk with God had given him an insight into who God was. And David was fascinated with God. We can see that from the songs that he wrote. Uh, but also when we read his songs, we see he's fascinated by God's word. And he's, you know, he meditates in God's word day and night. He loves God's word. And so what I would say to you, if you want to, ha- to follow this point, this, this way of, of tuning into God's responsiveness, get to know him through his word. Immerse yourself in his word. And so you'll get to know him and then you'll know what he's responding to, as David did. You know his heart, and when you know his heart, you will be in tune with him in your prayers. This is vitally important. I cannot emphasize this enough. So, um, what God responds to, we saw faith with Sarah and Abraham. We saw wanting us to understand his heart with David. Also, he responds to a humble heart, willing to change, repentance. So the word humble is um, is really misused in many ways, and I'm going to define it today as just somebody who doesn't think they've got it all right, but is willing to acknowledge that they that, that, that they may be doing the wrong thing. The opposite to pride, and um, we we can read in in interesting verses in Joel chapter two. Now, just some background: the nation had been extremely wicked. They'd even put idols in the very temple. Not just ordinary idols, but the most grotesque and uh, sexual fertility gods. Um, gods taken up with uh, injustice and brutality. They turned upside down everything that God wanted them to stand for and deliberately defied God. They could hardly be worse. These are supposed to be a light to the world. Now, what does God say? 
Yet even now, the Lord says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping and mourning. Tear your hearts, not your garments. Return to your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, boundless in loyal love. And those of you who had heard me preach on chesed, that is the word, boundless in chesed, often relenting from sending calamity. So what's God promising to respond to here? Simply that they admitted that they were wrong, that they didn't have everything, they were going the wrong way and wanted to turn back to him. Um, their fasting was a um, sort of a superficial, um, sorry, the fasting that God wants is a real um, turning from him, not a pretend uh, turning, but he wants them to really genuinely uh, show that they feel that they've been doing the wrong thing. And I want to suggest to you that God can't, God is saying, I can't resist responding to you when you admit that you're wrong and you turn to me for help. I can't, I can't resist responding to you when you admit you're wrong. When you, you admit you need my help, you can't do anything without me. Can you think of any stories in the New Testament where we have the same kind of thing? The man in the temple. Okay. You've been reading my notes. <laughs> Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, extortioners, unrighteous people, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tenth of everything I get. The tax collector however, stood afar off, would not even look up to heaven, beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner that I am. I tell you that this man went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this is, this is evidence of God hearing, God heard that prayer. He heard that prayer. He didn't hear the first prayer. One, I was expecting people to suggest the parable of the lost son, the, the, the prodigal son. You know, he came back. When he came back, just I've done wrong, then the father accepted him. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should be like miserable worms all the time and say, God, I'm just a miserable worm. But, you know, I'm pathetic. I'm hopeless. We, that's not what God is asking, but for to come to him acknowledging our need. Not, God, I'm just so amazing, I just need this extra thing, but, you know, I'm pretty good. But, God, I need you desperately. I can't do anything without you. I am nothing without you. And it's that heart that God responds to. That heart of giving um, uh, giving God... Uh, I'm sorry, so that, that heart of, of not trusting ourselves or, or thinking that we are really, really good, but giving that to God. Um, another example, David committed adultery and very sinful. He said, oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth. I will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. Or you would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. And so once again, this direct statement about God responding 
when we admit our imperfection, our need, and our unwill and, and our our willingness to change. So what if you've not done some particularly heinous sin like David's adultery? Um, as I, again, I say we don't come like mi- pretending we're miserable worms all the time, but we need to recognize genuinely how what our need is. Genuinely, we can do nothing without him. Um, and recognize that he is much greater than us. And be honest with him about our flaws and our failures. You know, maybe you're listening to this and you're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. God will accept you if you come to him and say, I can't save myself. I can't. I need you. I want to give you my life because I can't save myself. And so this is the prayer that we, we read about in the temple that God accepted. And he will bring you into his kingdom and save you. So uh, that's, uh, that was um, number four. God responds to a humble heart, willing to change. And we saw the story in, of Israel in the book of Joel. Now, what about God responds to praise? So uh, uh, there's, a, there's a, a, a wonderful story that I'm going to tell you of, of God responding to praise. And that's in Second Chronicles. And at this point, the, uh, the, the nation were, were being overwhelmed by a crushingly powerful enemy. They were just so strong. They were massively stronger than Israel. And what we read was that they, Jehoshaphat the king had a very interesting way of responding. Um, early the next morning, they marched out to the desert of Tekoa. When they, were, uh, when they were ready to march, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Listen to me, you people of Judah and residents of Jerusalem. Trust in the Lord your God and you will be safe. Trust in the message of his prophets and you will win. Okay, well, that's good. That's, we've covered that part so far. But what he says now is, He met with the people and appointed musicians to play before the Lord and praise his majestic splendor. As they marched ahead of the warriors, they said, give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love endures. So it's like we'd send Peter and Dan out in front. as you know, they, They're going to be the ones that face the, the ferocity of the enemy. Usually you send your, your, your hardened soldiers out there, but we're going to send our worship team out the front there to face the enemy. And well, what happened? When they began to shout and praise, the Lord suddenly attacked the Ammonites. They didn't even have to attack them. The Lord attacked them, Moabites and men from Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So this is, this is a great story. I love this story. And um, I would suggest, you know, when you're in trouble, start singing. Just start singing to God. Sing, remember what he's done for you in the past, and sing and and uh, he loves that, particularly sing praise for him that he's the kind of God that, that is faithful, that loves to, to be faithful to his promises. So um, I, I've got, uh, let's go to the next one. So that was uh, Jehoshaphat, God responds to praise. And then I'm going to suggest that God responds to our love for one another. Now, I'm not going to develop this in detail, 
Um, but and it's it's really it's a New Testament teaching, so I'm not going to give you a story from the Old Testament. But it's so important. Um, uh, uh, Jesus in John 17 said this. Now get this. This is so important. I have come. I came to show the world the love of God. But now I'm passing the job on to you. The way you are to do this is by loving one another. And this will show people what God's love is like and they will believe. Now, when I read that, it's an amazing commission, but it makes my heart so sad because we're so failing to do this in this world. People don't look at the church and say, you know, those churches, they just love one another so much. That must be what God's love is like. That's what we should be like. We should be so demonstrating in our community God's love that it is a reflection to the world. Jesus called this his new commandment. This is the new commandment I give you that you love one another. And when he talked about walking in obedience to him, the primary thing he would reflect on was loving one another. And what's though interesting is that he ties this into having our prayers heard. And John 15 is about bearing the fruit of love. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he carries on the same theme for a couple of verses and then says, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give to you. So I'm going to suggest, and this is a point that I've not heard anybody else say, but it seems to me that Jesus is saying that if you want God to respond to you, you need to be walking in the new commandment. You need to be walking in bearing the fruit of the new commandment. And God, then you are in tune with God in, in, in the most perfect way. If prayers being heard is to, to some extent be about being in tune with God, that love is the biggest attunement than you, that you can possibly get. I'll give you another another verse on that. Um, no, that's, so I'm going to show you that later. So, those are what we've done so far. We've looked... Okay, no, I'm actually going to take you to the seventh one now. Sorry, I thought I had the summary slide again. Um, so, my seventh one, my last one, is... And this is what I alluded to earlier. I'm going to complete... Respond to what God has shown you already. Respond to what he's shown you already. So in uh, Hebrews we read, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And another very helpful verse, Mark 4.24, he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear, the measure you use will be measured to will be the measure you receive and more will be added to you so what i'm saying is you step out on the basis of what you do know and once you've done that god reveals more to you so when you are praying to god for something have you already stepped out on the basis of what you know already is god's will 
And um, I've got a story now. This is the last story for today. And this is the story of Rahab in the city of Jericho. When it was surrounded, well, before it was surrounded, the spies came to the city and she was the one who took them in. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now, this is a woman, she is from Jericho, she's a Canaanite. What does she know about God? Well, she's heard some stories. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign. So she didn't have very much revelation at all, just a little bit. Just some stories. She stepped out on that, and as a result, she was saved. But do you know how the story continues? She was uh, the great-great-grandmother of King David. Isn't that amazing? And what's more than that, she carried the DNA of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing answer she had. We don't know any specific prayers she prayed after that. Maybe she prayed, Lord, make my life significant or something like that. But this is a woman who what she had to start with was so tiny. Just a story of God bringing people across the Red Sea. She believed that. She stepped out in that. And God rewarded her in this amazing way. So... Um, how do we put this into practice in our lives? Well, I'll give you an example. Supposing um, we, we are um, praying for a sick person and we're, we're praying for somebody, they're, they're, they're sick and they want prayer and you can apply these steps to other things like praying for a job or praying for something else. So the first step I've got is um, I pray God... I. I believe, God, that you're able to heal the sick. I pray for this person because I know you have the power to heal the sick. And we, we have that. We have that revelation. So what's another step on from that, a tiny step on from that, would you say, in, in faith? Yeah? God still heals today. How about that as a tiny step on for faith? Another belief that we have God's revealed to us, God loves to heal. So I can pray from that revelation. I can pray, God, I know you still heal heal today, so please heal this person. God, I know you love to heal. I know you love to heal and you can can heal this person. Um, I know you love this person and you care about them. So we could do the same thing, say, for a job. We can say, God, I know that you're all powerful and you can give me the job you need to give me. Um, God, I, I believe that you, you, you still do this today, supernaturally. I know, God, that you love to, to, to answer people's prayers and I know, God, you care about me. And so what you're doing is you're building what you know. You may not have had a, de- a direct revelation that, um, that you know, you're going to get the job as the next CEO of Tesla or something like that. You may, you may not have had that direct revelation, but 
Um, but you can pray out of the revelation that you have. And then when, as you pray from that, um, ask God for more specific guidance, more specific revelation. And sometimes we don't have any more, but sometimes God guides us how we should pray and gives us some more specific understanding we can pray into. So the, the, the point is, to learn from Rahab, is whatever God has given you, trust that. As Jesus said, he who's given, um, he, he, he who's given, more will be given unto them. Um, take heed how you listen, because the measure that you hear will be measured to you. So be very, very careful to use what you've got and to, to pray on the basis of what you already know. So, I want to say then, as I started, our responsibility is to believe what God has told us, not what God hasn't told us. That's what we believe for. But we really should believe for what God has told us. We really need to hold on to that. That We need to, to, to really trust God, and God responds to that. So um, let's, let's summarize then, and this is my last slide here. What God responds to? Well, first of all, he doesn't respond according to our rules. He loves his words to be trusted, as with Sarah and Abraham. He loved it that they trusted him. So trust God's words. He wants us to understand his heart, as with David. So spend time in his word, just getting to know him, so that you know the kind of thing as David did, what God would respond to, because you know God's heart. Um, acknowledge to him, you're, you can't do anything. And, and uh, just as Israel, when they repented, God heard them. It's not, not necessarily limited to when we've done something wrong, but just confessing our weakness and our need and how we cannot solve this by ourselves, how we need God. And God loves it when we approach him in that way, acknowledging our need of him. God responds to praise just in Jehoshaphat's time. They sent the worship team out in front of the army. Sing praises to him and and have that heart. God responds to our love for one another. And as we're living a life where we're committed to that, then that will open this communication because our heart will be more in tune with God's. And then finally, grow in these and God will give you more. Grow in these as with Rahab and God will give you more. So I'm not going to pretend this is an exhaustive list. I'm sure we could add other things. But um, as I was just reading the stories in the Old Testament, as as I've been pondering, it struck me that these are perhaps the most important things that we can be doing and thinking and praying if we want to develop a relationship with God where we know his response to us. So let's pray, shall we? And if you have anything on your heart right now that you want to bring to God, and I'm sure that most of us have got something that we particularly want to bring to God right now, um, we're just going to go through these steps and we're going to bring them to him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are the God of the universe. You are all-powerful. 
You spoke the stars into existence and you can answer our prayers. You can answer them with just a word. And Lord, we thank you that you are answering prayers. You hear prayers. You do the most amazing things in response to prayer. And we thank you, God, that you love your people. You love us and you love to answer our prayers. And we thank you, God, that you're hearing us right now. We thank you, God, that whatever it is, your ear is open to us. And so we lay it before you now. And we say, God, we, can, we, we have no strength ourselves. We have no power. God, we need you. We need you. Please, we lay this on you, Lord. We ask you. Lord, you may have a, a better understanding than we do. We may think that this is the answer and you may actually be taking us a different way and we confess your ways are higher than our ways. But we lay this on you and we trust you and we believe that whatever happens, you are God who loves us so much that you gave your own son for us. Lord, we praise you. We praise you that we can talk to you now. We praise your name that the God of the universe is listening to our little prayers right now. Lord, that is amazing, but you are this God and we thank you. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.